Good morning. Well, it's really super to be here this morning. It, it's, you know, it's great to be a preacher. I just love it. But I love particularly preaching in my own church. It's something special for the preacher. Certainly special for me. So it's great to be here. It's great to hear Seth uh, going to Ravencrest Bible School. Uh, I've been there. The part of my job was, it still is, in fact. I'm a field rep for torchbearers. So I do get invites to... Uh, the places in North America, and uh, it's been great to go to, a, uh, just as he was speaking, I was thinking about Ravencrest, it's a lovely school, right up in the mountains, you've got wonderful views, uh, Seth put some warm clothes on in the winter, it gets cold in the winter, but uh, you get the snow and the ice, and it's a fantastic place, uh, and uh, I, I hope you'll have a great time there, I'm sure you will. And anybody here, just let, I'm not preaching now, all right, <laughs> but anybody who is contemplating, maybe going to Bible school, uh, let me just encourage you to, to follow that through. I think every young person should pray. It's a very simple prayer. Should I go to Bible school? It's a great prayer. Sometimes God says no. <laughs> Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says yes when you think he's going to say no. <laughs> but it's great, and, and you'll love it. I went to Bible school in... 1961, ages ago now, and that was Cape and Ray here, of course, but it was the best invested six months of my life. It, it, it really did put the groundings of my faith together, and I was so thankful uh, of that time. So, yeah, you just pray that, you know, maybe God wants you to go one day, and you'll be up here saying, I'm just going to, you know, Timberline, or Texas, or uh, my children went to um, um, Thetis Island, right out at the top of Canada. And all three of them went there. And they all came back, new people. <laughs> They've really been blessed at going to Bible school. So let me encourage you to do that. Well, um, let me uh, get down to uh, what we're going to be thinking about, uh, that reading. Let me just read the verses again. It won't uh, harm. Uh, I want to speak on thirst quenched this morning. <clears throat> on the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. It has been said that uh, John's gospel is the most profound book that has ever been written. Now, I agree with that. I think it's a great gospel. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read John's gospel. But one passage, particularly Bishop Ryle, Bishop Ryle was uh, uh, Liverpool, uh, probably the greatest bishop they've ever had. In fact, probably the greatest bishop, bishop we've ever had in any bishops. He was a great man. And he said this, it has been uh, said that there are some passages of Scripture that deserve to be printed in gold. Of such passages, these verses before us form one. So that's what the great bishop said. It is a, it is a, a, a tremendous passage. I just hope I can make some of it live to you. And we're just going to pray now that the Lord will, will speak and make the book live to, the, to your heart and to mine. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that indeed uh, the Holy Spirit will come and make the book live so it becomes relevant and life-changing. Amen. 
Well, let me just give you the setting of those verses. Um, Jesus is attending one of the greatest of all Jewish festivals. Um, people from all over the Mediterranean world came. There would be thousands there, literally thousands of Jews from all over the world. This was the big one. This was the biggest festival of all for the Jew. And then, of course, um, the, uh, it's, it was about the provision. It, it was like a big harvest Thanksgiving, really, a big harvest festival, because they were thanking God, particularly for the time they were wandering through the wilderness. Just imagine going an old you know, crowd going into the wilderness, and, and where are you going to get your water from? Where are you going to get your food from in the wilderness? And, of course, God, in a miraculous way, provided right through that 40-year period. Everything that they needed was provided in the wilderness. And um, it, it, it was an amazing time. So they get together to thank God for his provisions uh, at that time. And then we get this verse, which really puts the, the, shows the emphasis of the importance of it. On the last day, so they've got to the end of the conference, uh, the greatest day, it's called, of the feast, Jesus stood up and in a loud voice, it says. So Jesus had obviously a vital message that he wanted to share to that conference. He'd probably watched them going, going through all the rituals, what they used to do. They'd go into Salome, this priest that would be, they'd go to Salome, get some water, carry it right back to the temple and pour it out each day. Of course, it was to remind them that God had quenched their thirst over that period in the wilderness. And um, so, so he said in a, a loud voice, that he stood up actually. Most preachers, most teachers, rabbis in those days didn't preach standing up. But Christ obviously wanted to really get a message over. So he stood up and he gave a message in a loud voice. It was a, virtually a shout. Was penetrate. It went right into the hearts as Christ proclaimed that. He obviously wanted to get something over that was very relevant. Uh, seeing the need of those thousands of people, seeing that they're all week going through ritual but not come to reality. A lot of people like that. Go to church every Sunday. It becomes a ritual. Just, you know, you attend, you sing the hymns, you say the prayers. It can become a ritual. And Christ wants to do far more than that, church. Sometimes he wants to shout to us. Maybe he might be shouting to somebody today. Sometimes, of course, it's a quiet, small voice. You'll know it. You'll know it. I remember once when God spoke to me in a quiet voice. I uh, went to Cape and Rez. I said to the Bible school, I finished, I stayed on the staff. And one day a group came from our church, my own church, back in Beverly. So I was interested in them, of course, and I saw one particular girl. Uh, in fact, I saw two girls. I saw her and her sister. And uh, I went to this particular girl called Vivian. And uh, I said, would you like to come for a walk with me? And she said, yes. So we walked around the loop. That's that's famous walk in Cape and Ray. It's a lovely walk. There's a little river in the middle of it. And so when we got to this little river, I said to Viv, uh, do you know, Viv, I just have a tremendous sense 
that one day, she didn't know, I'd gone to their house in Beverly because they had a prayer meeting there, but I'd not noticed her. You know, not in that way when you notice somebody. <laughs> but I noticed her that day. And, and there's a sense, I, I said this to her, and, and uh, she said, I said, do you know, babe, one day I, I believe I'm going to marry you. On the first day, no, I didn't say that. I got it wrong. Let me say it again. This is what I said. <laughs> One day I believe I'm going to either marry you or your sister. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know which one. Anyway, the, 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 the little voice had said, you're going to marry and you're going to marry babe. And Of course, I'm so glad I did. <laughs> It was, it was a great moment. But sometimes there's a little pointer, a little quiet voice that God puts in our hearts. Uh, I remember one day I had that same experience of a little voice. Uh, I'd forgotten all about it, in fact. I remember going, uh, as I was on the staff, went to the house where Jill and Stuart Briscoe lived. And Jill was the director of the work. And she had uh, started the Barn Christian Fellowship, which was a great outreach to young people. And I re- we used to have the committee meetings at her house. And I remember going down there. She was in the kitchen. And I said to her, Jill, do you know, I believe that one day, I believe I'll do your job. Now, that, that, that was crazy. You know? it's, it was virtually impossible. I, I worked at Cape and Ray, finished with away for 13 years back home in Beverly. And, um, and then uh, Jill and Stuart left. They went off to, uh, to America, where Stuart started a church with 300, grew to 6,000. They did a great job out there. And, um, and one day, Jill came back from America to visit and to see friends. And she came. I was, at that time, of course, I was the, the, the director at the warehouse, Christensen. And she came into my uh, office and said, Graham, did, did you know? Did you know? Years ago, you wandered into my kitchen and said, "One day, I'm going to do your job." He said, "You've done it." <laughs> and and that, but that, I just sensed that was the Lord putting on my heart. Even then, over the 13 years, that the chances of that fulfilling was crazy, but it did happen. I did go. Sometimes God speaks to us in, in a quiet voice. Sometimes it's a loud voice, as in this. Maybe today he's going to speak to some of you in a quiet voice, and I hope maybe some of you is going to shout, maybe. Something he really wants you to hear, something he really wants you to know. Uh, and, uh, and of course, it was uh, a, a pinnacle moment in this festival that he was at. Uh, the last and greatest day. Of the feast. What was the problem there? I think I, I tried to understand why did he shout? Well, a lot of them had been caught up in all the ritual of, you know, going through the motions and doing all the, you know, the, the, these, were, these were believing people. They believed in God. They believed in worship. They believed in going to church, their church anyway. They, they had all that for them. And yet Jesus saw that there was something in some of the lives that was vital that they hadn't grasped when, when you get to a preacher and you see there's something so vital you're a preacher you're getting all excited you, you want people to grasp it sometimes you raise your voice now I don't know whether I'm going to do that today but sometimes that's what happens when you're preaching you've got something vital and that's what was happening to Jesus well what did he ask let's have a look at the question he asked he said this if anyone is thirsty 
It was put there to that vast crowd. Is anyone thirsty? Not obviously speaking about physical thirst. We're not talking about that. It's spiritual thirst. It's the thirst to know God. A thirst to find reality. It's a thirst to find this, this water of life that he's speaking about here. And I wonder this morning, when you came, I'm sure some of you did. You're here this morning because you've got a thirst for God. You really want to know God in a deeper way. And that's what your heart thirsting for. It's great to come to church like that. Some, maybe, maybe thirsting for actually salvation. You know, how to become a Christian. How to find Christ. How to find him a reality uh, in our lives to get a vital relationship with. Some of you are desiring that, and that's great, and it's great that you're here with that. And yet some, it might be a thirst to be forgiven. You've done something that you greatly regret. You, it gets on your heart. You know it's been wrong. And, and, and really, you're thirsting just to get forgiveness or for peace of mind. Or maybe some of you come for a thirst just... Just to get a word of comfort, that's a great reason to come to church. God has comforted many people in the history of this church here in Camford. They've come with great problems. And they've met Jesus, and he's given them comfort for their needs and guidance for their lives. Is anyone thirsty, he asked that day, at that conference. Well, what did he say? We come now to... The remedy that he proposed. He, he, he had a, a, how he as the thirst quencher could have quenched their thirst. What had he to do? If anyone in his thirst, this is what he said, let him come to me. Let him come to me. Christ was declaring a vital message. This is what made him shout. He wanted people to come to him. And um, that is the very heart of the Christian gospel. It's when a man or a woman, whether if they're a non-Christian, of course, that is the greatest thing that you can do. You come with a thirst to find salvation this morning. You're desiring to know the truth. Well, Jesus' message to you is, come to me. That's where you're going to find salvation. It's in Christ alone. There's a great verse uh, that uh, Acts 4 and verse 12, I think it wants echoing again today, this verse. This is what he said. Uh, This is what Peter said, rather. Salvation is found in no one else. That that is so clear, isn't it? You you, you can't get salvation from anywhere else. The only way you can be thoroughly saved, transformed, put on the road to heaven, you need to come to Christ. He said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Scripture said we must be. Salvation is not just that, you know, some people who come to church and, no, no. All mankind, Jesus says, you must be saved. That's a clear message of the Bible. All of the Old Testament is pointing people to go to Christ. That's, that's the message of the Old Testament. The message of the New Testament is everything's been done, the cross, the resurrection, Christ is alive. Now you need to come to Christ. The work's been done, completed for man's salvation. So um, that's uh, the message. Come if you're thirsty. Come to me. There was a, if you read John's gospel in chapter 4, there's a thirsty woman there. 
she obviously was, uh, had a well. She, she wanted water. She was a bit of immoral living. She was a bit of a party girl. She'd slept around a bit. She'd, she'd wrecked one marriage, not just one marriage, two marriages, not just two marriages, but five. Five times she'd gone and broken a marriage vow. And then, of course, she met Jesus. And Jesus, of course, knew exactly what her problem was. And he said, um, you need to come to me. That's basically what she said to him that day. You need to find me. And she, um, she came and uh, Jesus uh, said this to her. Um, everyone point, she pointed at the well where there was stood. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Then he made a great statement. Listen to this. But whoever drinks the water I give, they will never thirst again. Never thirst again. They'll be completely satisfied in their thirst. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. You're going to be refreshed. You're going to find a spring of water. That's the word he described, the refreshing life that he gives when we come to him. So, um, what else did he say? He said this. Whoever comes to me and drinks. Now, that is a very important word. Drinks. You can go to a fountain. You can see all this lovely, refreshing water. But it'll do you no good unless you drink it. And... um, the, the Jesus is saying that what I want you to do, listen, come to me and drink in my life. That's what it means. Drink of me. Drink in. Uh, and uh, um, it, it, it's, it's a, a most thrilling. It's a message to Christians as well, of course. Uh, some of you, you know, you, you've drunk. You, you've t- come to Christ and you're thirst. You found him. It was very exciting. You tell people your testimony, I found Christ. But now, maybe your life has dried up a bit. Okay? It's possible to do that. I know that in my own life. Okay? There's periods where you go dry. Now, what have you to do when... Listen, it's here. The reason you're dry, I'm going to give you the reason you're dry now. You've stopped coming to drink from Christ. Christ is always the one who quenches and brings life and fulfillment and power into our life. You stop drinking. I, uh, Viv and I go for a walk down the canal. That's one of our favorite walks. There are not many walks in Carnforth, but one of our favorite walks is to go down the canal. We go right down past the bridge towards Boltonly Sand. We cross and we go along the canal. And then, those who know that area, there is a little brook that rushes down into the canal from the farmland in that area. And we stand on the little bridge and we look down at this, and we see the water, it's, it's bouncing, it's hitting the rocks, it's springing, it's full of life and freshness, and it's coming down into the canal. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's bringing that. But listen, I went one day with Viv, and I looked for the brook. It had all dried up. In fact, it was almost stinky and muddy and dirty. This little brook down. There was nothing there. The water stopped flowing. You see, when the water of life stops flowing through us, we dry up. 
And uh, that's uh, true of us all. We need to keep coming to Christ. Keep drinking. Drinking is taking him in. Taking him to be our strength, our life, our wisdom. I think of uh, the first time I ever preached a message at Cape and Real. I was very, very nervous. All right, you're scared. 200 teenagers there. And uh, I thought, Phew. And I tried to preach. I, I don't know what. I wish I could hear that message because it would have been terrible. <laughs> it would have been good for me to hear. And, and who should come walking in and sitting right at the front but Major Ian Thomas. I died in my boots. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, that's all I need today, you know. And I preached, as I say, the best I could. And then Major came up to me. I was sat on the uh, rostrum. And he said, Graham. I'll give you a ride home. Oh, I thought, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get homiletics now, really. So I got in the car, and I remember it so clearly, because it has never left me what he said to me. And this is, it, it, it's, it was a, a vital point in my life. He said, Graham, no, I spoke at first. This is what I said. Major, you have been preaching all your life. And this is the very word I used. I'm just on the first rung of the ladder. And he looked at me, and I said, can you give me any advice on preaching? And this is what he said. He said, Graham, he said, when you preach, preach Christ. And when you've preached Christ, preach Christ. And when you've preached Christ, preach Christ. Do you know, I do not know. I've heard lots of messages, lots on preaching. I've never heard a better message than that on what a preacher should do. Preach Christ. Why? Why should we do that? Because he is the only person, as I've already said, that can save us all. It's only when they meet Christ. So we must preach him. And then, of course, for a Christian, again, yeah, a heart of sanctification is discovering Christ in a living, vital way, living in us, living through us, living in our lives. And so um, that is... uh, Come to me and drink. Take my life in you and a spring of water. What happens when we come and drink? Well, Jesus, of course, gives a great, great thrilling message here. Whoever believes, trusts, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Streams of living water flowing right from inside you, right inside your heart, right inside your being. What will happen? There'll be stream. Listen, or rivers, some versions of it, I believe. Notice he didn't say a stream. There will be a stream of living water. No, he said streams. There will be an abundance of life and energy flowing right where? In your very heart, your heart. That's where Christ wants to bring his power, bring his strength, bring his wisdom, bring his love, and live there and bring fruit and blessing. And you'll be bubbling. That water coming down, or I can still picture it coming down into that. It's bubbling. Full of life and vitality. That is New Testament Christianity. Anything less than that is not New Testament Christianity. If you've got a very dry life, you haven't discovered This life of Jesus flowing in you through the Holy Spirit. He said said this, by this he meant the Spirit, who those who received him were later to receive. In other words, he hadn't, at this point in the time, the Holy Spirit had not come 
for believers. That happened after Christ had died on the cross. And he hadn't yet been glorified, he said. But when he did come, of course, and the day of Pentecost, it was a gift. It was a gift that God gives to every Christian. Every Christian receives the life of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in their lives. If you haven't got that, you're not a Christian. Simple as that. If there's nothing in your inner man, in your inner being, you're not saying. But Christ, of course, shouts at this conference because he wants them to receive this life. That is the shout of the Bible. You need Christ, and listen, you need him living in your heart or in your center of your being, in your inner being. It's a transforming life. Rivers flow. And not only flow in us, but flow from us. <laughs> touching lives. So wherever you go, you really should. Whether you're at work Monday morning, whether you're going looking after the kids, whether you're enjoying married life, God's life wants to flow through your life. Somebody once said to me, he said, Graham, the measure of success you will ever be as a Christian will be the extent in which you let Christ live in you. That, I've never forgotten. That's another truth I've never forgotten. I'm useless without Christ. And so are you. You need Christ not just to be a saviour. That's great. Some of you today, I hope you'll ask Christ to be a saviour. That, that is one of the greatest things that a human being could ever ask for. Jesus, come and save me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. That is a great. But he wants to be more than a saviour. He wants to be more even than your friend. It's great to sing that great song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Great Jesus. Yes, he does want to be our friend. Of course he does. But listen, more than that. He wants to be your life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's, it's his life, it's power. That's what he wants to bring into our homes. That's what he wants to bring into our marriages. That's what he wants to bring in our workplaces. The life of God flowing through our lives to other people's lives. That is New Testament Christianity. And if uh, everybody in this church comes to him, and starts drinking from his life, his resources, his power, his spirit. And then we're going to bring revival wherever we go. Revival is simply an impartation of life. That's what the word means. An impartation of life. Christianity, let me say it again. Let me get The whole essence of John's gospel is about life. I have come that you might have life. It said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And at the end of John's gospel, it says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you might have life in his name. It's all there. So let me just say as we come to an end, um, are you thirsty this morning? Have you received Christ? And some of you might say, well, Graham, I'm not sure. I'd love to do that. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to do that today. An opportunity when you can actually, listen, we need to just make it absolutely clear what you've got to do. You've got to simply receive Christ. 
You've got to come because the last divine invitation in this passage, it says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come. You've got to come to Christ. Let him come to me, he said. So, it's a loud shout. He wants you today to come to Jesus, if you're not a Christian. Let him come. Come. Bring your life. Just say, Lord Jesus, I recognize I am a sinner. I recognize I don't have this life, but I do want it. I do want Christ to come and save me. And he will. The cross is still there. You can still be forgiven. Every sin, everything you've ever done. There's no sin too great that God is not willing to forgive. Come to him. He said, who who said he let him come to me? You need to come to Christ if you're not a Christian. Secondly, if you are a Christian, of course, and you're dried up, you know what you need to do? Go to Jesus. Ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. The, the verse in Scripture on the filling of the Holy Spirit, the Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can know bits of, bits of it, but the Greek there is uh, really be being filled. Keep being filled. That's what it means. Be being filled of the Holy Spirit. You need to be being filled. Not just on a Sunday. When you get up in the morning, when you get up the next day, when you're going to the challenges, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The power of God working in your life. So keep coming. Keep coming. To, he'll give you, he, he will give you his presence. He'll give you his power. He'll give you his love. You can have an exciting marriage with Christ. Some of your marriages may be dried up. You need a refreshing. Um, you need that love pouring into your life that comes from the Holy Spirit. That'll freshen your marriage up like nothing else. Nothing else. But you keep coming to him. Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. So I'm going to suggest this. I'll say a prayer where you can do that. You can actually say, Lord, I need to come to you. I need to come to you for salvation. I need to come to you to have a deeper ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm going to pray where, where you can actually put it in words. And then we're going to sing the last hymn. And this is what I suggest. Uh, I pondered about whether I should do this or not. But yeah, I think I'd like to do it. If you have done that and said a prayer, I'm going to ask you to just come forward, stand over here, that just before God, that you've made this either fresh commitment to Christ, new commitment, or come for the first time. And I have a little booklet that I'd like to give those who uh, come to Christ this morning. It's called The Greatest Life on the planet. And that's what the Christian life is without a shadow of doubt. But I'd like to give you that so you can read it Get excited about the life of Christ in you. Okay, so let's have a prayer. This is a prayer that you might want to make. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you have said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And I come this morning. I come because I need to be saved. I need Jesus to to come to me. I come, thank you that you died for me on that cross to remove sin from my life. And I pray you'll do that now. And then I know you want to come into the center of my being, my heart. And I invite you there. And I pray that you will give me this morning the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there are those of us who are Christians, but we've got so caught up 
like the people of Jesus' day, with ritual instead of true worship. And Lord, we confess that our lives have run dry. We need the refreshment of Christ this morning. And we're going to ask that we might come and be filled anew with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right, we're going to sing the last hymn. If you would like to come, if you've made a prayer of commitment, do come and see that. I'm going to ask Christy uh, if he'll be willing to come and pray uh, at the front with us and uh, just help you to take the next step. So let's have that great. It's a great song, by the way. It's, I think it's one of the best songs that's been written in, the, in, in our time. Okay, we're going to sing it. Uh. <laughs>